Welcome to Psych Talk. I am your host, Jessica Lee, a licensed clinical psychologist. It is my mission to motivate, inspire, and educate you on everything psychology, mental health, and self-growth. Although topics discussed on this podcast are similar to therapy, Psych Talk is not a replacement for therapy and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. Whether you are a mental health professional or student in the social science field, are interested in psychology and mindset shifts, or are just interested in gaining skills and knowledge to grow into the best version of yourself, this podcast is for you. My hope is to provide you with knowledge and skills that you can implement in your daily life that add up to make a big impact. Let's dive into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Psych Talk. I am super excited for you to join me for today's episode. Today I have a very special guest with me, Murphy Lynn. Thank you so much for joining me today. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you for having me. So, do you mind introducing yourself a little bit about your background and what you do? So, so my name is Murphy Lynn. Um, I am 23 years old. And I was born and raised in Wichita, Kansas. Um, and I'm and, and I'm graduating with my associate's degree and 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 at liberal arts next summer. So that's exciting. That's really exciting. Um, yeah, I'm very excited. <laughs> and I I work at a residential facility for children with special needs. And I've and, and I've been there for about a year and I love it. That's awesome. So, so is that yeah. what you're hoping to do long term? Um, um, yes, I think so. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So you talk a lot about mental health and particularly autism on your social media. So do you mind sharing a little bit about your own story with mental health? Um, yeah. So my background with mental health, man, it's been a journey. <laughs> it, it has, um, uh, uh, when I was 13, um, uh, so I was in seventh grade, I was diagnosed with a pervasive developmental disorder, not otherwise specified. So long story short, short it's, it's uh, on the autism spectrum. And, and, and uh, along with that diagnosis, I was also diagnosed with depression and social anxiety. And uh, yeah, and so that kind of left me in kind of like a tailspin. I was like, okay, what does this mean? Like, I, I was relieved to have all of those diagnoses because it was like, okay, now I understand, you know, why I'm acting the way I am. But at the same time, it was, it, it was, it, it was frustrating. So I was like, um, okay, well, so if I have autism, that means I'm different. And that is bad in my head. <laughs> and, and, uh, and uh, the spectrum is very wide, but like all I could hear in my head was it, it was just autism. I was like, oh my God, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, and uh, yeah, I had a difficult time all throughout school. It, it was really difficult for me to fit in, um, to make friends. And, uh, and, and so, and then the pretty shortly after that, I began, um, uh, I, I began self-harming. And then, and then shortly after that, I developed an eating disorder. So it's kind of all 
connected. <laughs> and and I was kind of searching for a way to cope, you know, with like school and 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 uh, feeling frustrated that I couldn't socialize with my peers even though I wanted to. And it was, you know, and and it was really hard mm-hmm. trying to uh, have others understand me. Yeah. So I appreciate you so much sharing um, your story. And one thing that you said that really stuck out with me is like there was relief in finally getting the diagnosis because you finally mm-hmm. said, or like, okay, now I have an understanding to why I am the way I am. And at the right. same time, there was frustration with it and mm-hmm. kind of you didn't explicitly said say this, but it sounded like like now, now what? Where do I go from here? Okay, I have these diagnoses. And what do I do? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a common experience for so many people. Like there is some relief in getting a diagnosis because there's understanding, but then there's a lot of fear and unknowns. Um, Mm -hmm. And it sounds like from what you said about like, you want to interact with peers, but you didn't know how, and people didn't understand you. So you got the diagnosis, but it didn't necessarily quote unquote fix some of those primary frustrations. Yeah, exactly. So you recently wrote a book called, (laughs) am I invisible things? I wish teachers knew. So what inspired you to write that book? And then can you talk a little bit about the book in general? Yeah. Well, so I graduated high school in, in uh, 2017. And then, so that was really exciting for me. I was like, yes, I can finally be done with school. <laughs> I was so excited. And, and, uh, and uh, shortly after that, it was, it was, I believe in, in June, actually, I, I, uh, I, I kind of am like just a very reflective person. I've always been that way. I don't know why I just am. So, and and, and uh, the best way to reflect for me and to journal and just to kind of cope with my emotions is to write. And so I was like, okay, so I'm going to write about this. And, and, and to kind of, you know, I mean, just to kind of understand, you know, mm-hmm. my, my journey and to kind of like debrief from it, I guess. And, and then it was honestly just kind of like a whisper of passion. It was like, it was literally just like, um, I, I was writing and I was like, wait a second. I mean, this could possibly turn into something that I could share. And, 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 and so I remember, and, and, and I kind of had that thought, but I was like, well, I don't know, you know, and so I went upstairs to tell my mom, and she was like, go for it, you know, <laughs> and, and I was awesome. like, okay, <laughs> and, and, and uh, so I did, and it took me three and a half years to write, and, and it was very, very healing for me, it was actually really surprising how healing it was for me to do, um, and, um, and and that uh, yeah it it uh, recently got published in in, in uh, January of 2021 so yeah um, and and I wrote it because uh, yes it was reflective for me but also I was like okay well 
I mean, yes, I felt alone in my struggles, but there's no way that I could have been the only one. Right. I mean, I mean, I, 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 I felt that in my soul, though. I was like, dude, I'm the only one. Like, I'm the only one who has autism. I'm the only one. I mean, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but then I was like, well, no, that can't be right. And then so, and so, yeah, that it was kind of, it, it was kind of like fast and furious. I didn't really even think about writing a book in my lifetime. It was just kind of something that happened. <laughs> That's amazing. And I love that you said it was healing for you and the recognition that even though you felt alone, you know, like logically, like I am not the only one that could possibly feel this way. So it was healing for you and in turn by sharing it with others, making others feel less alone in hopes that they don't feel the same way that you did going throughout your schooling. Yes. That's awesome. And it's awesome. You have such a supportive mom that was just like, just go for it. (laughs) Oh yeah. She, I mean, she, she knows I've always been a writer, so I don't think it was really surprising to her. She's like, okay, you know, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Just go publish a book. That's, that's great. (laughs) And writing a book does take a long time. So the fact that you dedicated over three years to Mm -hmm. it, and then I'm sure the feeling when it finally got published in January of this year yes, was an amazing feeling. Oh, yeah, it was so exciting. So that's a good segue into what we're going to be talking about today. So we're going to be talking about how schools can better adapt to those with mental health issues. So what are some of the biggest challenges you believe that those with mental health concerns face in school? Um, so I believe things have gotten better, especially with COVID. I think schools have been recognizing, you know, okay, like mental health is, is, is becoming more of an epidemic than ever before, you mm-hmm. know? And, mm-hmm. and, um, and so, and, and so, yeah, I think, um, uh, I, I do think it has gotten better. However, I do think there still needs to be more resources for students and, and also knowledge and training for staff and, and uh, teachers and administrators. Um, and, and, also, and also resources for the LGBTQ uh, a community. I mean that that has kind of become a newer thing, and and then so it's it's not as well known as something like depression or or anxiety or anything like that. So mm-hmm. I think that's also important. Um. And uh and and from my experience in school, like it. It, it seems like some teachers, you know, do understand mental health and, and, and uh, they, they take the time to understand and that's great. But, uh, uh, but, but some teachers don't or, or they don't, uh, uh, or, or they don't really uh, take the time to really understand or, and, and so that kind of can be hard, you know, when, when there's like, 
a third hour teacher that understands and then a fourth hour teacher doesn't really understand that can be kind of difficult for students. Most definitely. So you said a lot of good things, um, like resources for students. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I know you wrote this book after graduating from high school and I don't know what your experience in high school was, but like in my high school, we had like one like counselor Mm -hmm. and then the school nurse. And there was not a lot of in-school resources or Mm -hmm. even talk about like community resources. Um, And then I like how you also talked about like training for teachers and staff. And I mean, I have a lot of friends that are teachers. And a couple years ago, I remember one of my friends reaching out to me because she had I think one or two students with autism in her class. And she was like, I'm not trained in special education. And I've never been taught how to teach autistic students. And I know I need to adapt and teach in a way that is going to be beneficial for them. So she reached out to me as a psychologist to kind of have tips, but like, luckily she understands mental health and wanted to help, but Mm -hmm. like, that's not part of her standard training right yeah which is gonna it's hard for them especially if you have a classroom full of 30 students and you have you know high achieving students academically lower achieving students mm-hmm. some students with anxiety some students with depression some students with autism like mm-hmm. yeah it, uh, yeah it can be hard to navigate it I mean I, I could only imagine how hard it is And then you also kept using the word understand and understanding. And I think that just hits a more global point of needing compassion and understanding when it comes to mental health issues in general. Um, I always say like outside of the school setting, but like just in general that, you know, mental health concerns, whether it be autism, depression, anxiety, eating disorder, isn't an excuse for certain behaviors, but it gives an understanding as to why a person may be acting a certain way or why homework is not being turned in on time. If you're depressed and you can barely get out of bed, how are you supposed to do your biology homework? Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, So when thinking about kind of the school in general, on the like administrative level, and you kind of touched on this already, but just to ask more directly, what are some things that schools can do to better serve students with mental health issues? Um, to, to be intentional and, and uh, to, to prioritize mental health and, and, uh, to, to, and uh, to put certain protocols in place. It, it seems to me like elementary school counselors do a pretty good job about, uh, I mean, about like, you know, the mental health space and making sure kids get their needs met. And I bet it's easier because, you know, all the kids are in one class, they're younger, they're more receptive, you know, and, and uh, with, with, and then it seems like with the secondary level, it, it seems to me like like the need goes up and the support goes down, <laughs> and and I mean to me it should be the opposite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and so um, 
I, I think there needs to be at least like more staffing to to accommodate those for for mental health struggles um and uh, maybe even like um, I mean because I know in high school there's like counselors for scholarships and making sure you get your credits um I mean but but when I was in high school that seems to be all it was it wasn't like any mental health like counseling whatsoever mm-hmm. and so I, I imagine, I mean, this is something that I would want in my high school to have one, to have one school counselor, you know, focus on the credits and scholarships and make sure you're graduating on time and all that. And then have another counselor be like, okay, like fully mental health focused. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. Like I said, in my, and I mean, I graduated high school a lot uh, longer ago than you did. Um, but still like, yeah, we had like the career counselor, like right. making sure we're applying to colleges and stuff. And I know um, in some schools around here, I'm in South Carolina, but also when I lived in Tennessee, some schools would like have contracts with like local community mental health centers and have counselors go in. So students could see oh, mental health counselors. And I thought yeah. that was a really like innovative way right. to get um, the school connected and um, students connected with mental health because it also helped reduce barriers of like transportation and stuff because the kids could see the counselor um, during school hours, which I thought um, was really cool. Um, and I love that you said also be intentional um, just about prioritizing mental health. And I mean, I know one thing I think about too, like, I don't know if you had a health class in high school. Mm -hmm. I did. And I think maybe we talked like very little about just a little bit. (laughs) I know we're we're on video, but nobody can see us. Both of us just put our hands up and did the like little (laughs) fingers that are like half an inch apart. Um, but yeah, it's a, about like eating healthy and moving your body and things like that. And mental health isn't talked about mm-hmm. that much, which it makes sense that in a health class, you would address mental health. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah awesome. It is a part of health. <laughs> it is. Yes. Mental health is health and our physical health impacts our mental health and vice versa. Um, yes. No, I, I, I love those thoughts. Um, so we just talked about kind of the administrative level, be more intentional, more counselors, conversations about mental health classes. Um, and earlier you mentioned like some of your teachers understood, other teachers didn't. So what advice or insights do you have for teachers to better help their students who may be struggling with mental illness? Um, yeah, so so uh, allowing a safe space for your students. I remember I, I I loved when like certain teachers, you know, made the time to to make that connection and to build a safe space in their classroom. That meant everything to me. And and then when I went to another classroom, I could tell totally when that shifted into a more like academic uh, a type of like a role in classroom um and so and and so at building that connection it is 
uh, and it's, it's important not only, you know, to build relationships with your students, but also you'll be able to notice more when something seems off. When something is like, okay, like, uh, uh, I mean, this, this student seems to be more sad or this student, you know, what uh, or, or the student really isn't talking all that much today, or the student, you know, is just running to have her headphones in and, you know, like be alone. Uh, things like that, I think is important to, to recognize in, in, in your classroom. And, and, uh, and, and, and uh, some teachers won't be able to know, I mean, you know, if you're not as connected in your classroom and you're not allowing that safe space and you're not just more it's it's more academic focused uh, you you won't be able to see those signs and you'll possibly miss them and uh, so uh, better I mean uh, to, the the better knowledge a teacher has the better it, it will help the students I love that and I love when you talked about like st- safe space the word that kept coming up was like connection because I think a lot of people mm-hmm. there's this like idea of safe space is like a, a, a retreat of like clothes and things like that, which it could be, but what you're talking about is just like a warm, welcoming, connected environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that is so important because it allows trust for the students that if something is going on, they feel like they can approach their teacher. Yes, Absolutely. And like you said, it gives the teacher, you know, the ability to identify if something seems off about their student. When you were saying that, um, to share kind of a personal story, this is when I was in college, but I had a professor who's actually first psychology professor I had who after, I think it was like my third test, I did like much poorer on than my first two. And he actually sent me an email and he was like, Hey, can you come to my office? I want to talk with you. And he was just like, I noticed that your test grade was lower and I wanted to see if anything was going on, if you were doing okay. And like, to me, that meant a lot because it showed like, he noticed that there was a change. And to be honest, I don't even recall if there was (laughs) a change, but the fact that he kind of recognized like, this is an abnormal pattern. Let me check in was super helpful for me. Yeah, that's awesome. And so I think that's um, great. And then I like that you said at the end, just like the more knowledge. So just general knowledge about mental health. And I mean, I do want to like, I guess, make this disclaimer, like if any teachers are listening, we know that you are overworked, underpaid. Oh, yes. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. All of those things. That's me. I know. Yes. Uh-huh. My, my mom's a principal, so I know. Oh, okay. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, know, so that's even more interesting going back to how your mom was like, yeah, go write this book because <laughs> <laughs> your mom being in um, school administration. Um, but yeah, I mean, making that connect. And I think like the connection and stuff, like is why most people want to go into teaching in the first place. They want to, they obviously educate, but they want to be a change for these individuals. And if part of that is making these connections, recognizing signs of different mental health disorders, building that trust, I think it's going to not only make the children's experience better or students, I shouldn't say children, I was thinking elementary, but students experience better, also probably the teachers. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. So given your book and your personal experience with autism, can you talk a little more specifically about how schools can better help students with autism? Um, yeah. So um, make time to figure out the why and 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 uh, students' behavior. Um, I mean, I, I know for me, it, it was really hard to 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 initiate conversation and 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 uh, and uh, keep conversation going. And so, if teachers don't know that, you know, and and uh, and and then they become frustrated, like, why isn't she doing this group project how I told her to do it? You know, it. It, 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 it gives, it, it, well, I mean, it, it uh, can give, give teachers more understanding on why and be like, oh, maybe I should help her out on this thing or, you know. And, and uh, being trained in trauma-informed practices, I think is a big one. I'm so glad you brought that up. <laughs> Huge one. Um. I I am I'm I I have I I've loved when when schools are like oh yeah I am practicing trauma informed practices I'm like yes finally you know <laughs> um I mean I I think that's super important because in school I I I went through a lot of trauma with like certain teachers and boys and all that and. And 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 uh, that translated into you know my other grades and my other school life, even though it didn't really. It uh, I mean, I mean, yes, it happened in the past, but it you know it translated into mm-hmm. high school, middle school, and all that. So, so yes, I think that is a big one. And and if if you don't mind, I have on chapter fourteen, I. I, I write about, um, so I, it's on chapter 14, it's, it's uh, the, the 10 things I wish teachers knew about me. And so I have this whole chapter about it. And so I'm just going to read a few of them. Um, t- number two, uh, a, a, a teacher can change a child's life story. This starts with intentional conversations. Mm. Uh, uh. Uh, have them frequently with eye contact and a genuine tone uh, and uh, keep up with this consistent effort. Uh, it is worth it. it. Even if as a teacher, you are uncomfortable at first because the child may not respond in the typical way. So, uh, so, so that's kind of also what I was saying is if, if uh, they don't respond in a typical way, you know, make, uh, uh, to to make time, you know, to understand why and things like that. So that's important as well. I love it. And thank you for sharing a little excerpt of your book. Yeah, I have a bunch. <laughs> Is there anything else you wanted to share from there about yeah. things that you wish your teachers knew? Number nine, I think it's a good one. Uh, while you may not be the cause of the student's anxiety, it is in your power to reduce it. Uh, uh, to reach out, to build relationships, talk to students about normal topics. Uh, if you can't do it naturally, this is the time to fake it. Uh, building relationships breaks down anxiety for everyone. I love that. Yes. 
It is so true. And I like how you just said, like, just talk about regular topics. Right. Yeah. Yeah. If they're Mm -hmm. anxious about school, talk about sports or other interests or, you know, something that kind of goes back to making those connections and building that relationship. Yes, Yes, definitely. It, It all comes down to the relationship, honestly. And I love, and I know you've brought this up a couple of times, is the why in the student's behavior. Because I think a lot of times, and not just teachers, school administrators, but all, all of us as humans, we just see the behavior mm-hmm. and we'll make assumptions and judgments off of that rather than trying to dig or understand as to why the behavior may be occurring. And that kind of leads into your point about like using trauma-informed practices um, Mm. and understanding trauma and the impact of trauma and how that, like you said, can kind of carry over. Even if a trauma happened in elementary school, that trauma still will carry over into middle and high school, especially if it hasn't been adequately addressed. Yes, definitely. So we're getting close to wrapping up, but is there anything I have not asked you about that you would like to touch on with regard to this topic? Uh, I just want to say for, for advice for any students listening with, with, uh, with, with uh, possible mental health struggles is to uh, find your passion. Um, I mean, I mean, that, is it, I mean, it, it could be anything. I mean, uh, uh, painting, animals, reading, writing. I mean, uh, anything. I mean, because for me, uh, I mean, uh, writing this book has changed my life. And so, and, and so if you can find your passion, that could really help heal you and other people. And, um, and uh, my advice for parents, I'm, if if you have like a, uh, a a a kid with with autism or like mental health struggles, to never stop advocating for your kid. And and uh, to, I I don't know where I would be if my parents like uh, didn't advocate for me because I I mean it it was everything. Mm-hmm. So. No, I love that, and I mean obviously I don't work in schools, but as a psychologist that works with kids and. I mean, that's one thing I tell parents all the time, like, you know, your kid better than I will ever know them. Their Mm -hmm. teachers will ever know them. Their doctors will ever know them. Even if we'd known them for a long time, like you are with them day in and day out. And so until they can advocate for themselves, you are their biggest advocate. And, um, I mean, we didn't really get into this, um, in our discussion, but like schools, are required, especially public schools. I can't speak for private schools, but schools are required to provide accommodations if deemed necessary to best support their students, whether through an IEP, which is an individualized education plan or a 504 Mm -hmm. plan. But unfortunately, and understandably, because schools are overwhelmed, a lot of times it takes the parents advocating for Mm -hmm. the evaluation and those services um, to be put in place yes, um, for their kids. And so I love that piece of advice for parents. Um, 
to advocate. So the last question I always ask my guests is where can people connect with you? And for you, where can people purchase your book? Awesome. Okay. So, so uh, you can purchase my book on, uh, it's, it's, it's at on, on uh, amazon.com and at barnesandnoble.com. Okay. Uh, uh, right now it's only available online and, and uh, my Instagram is uh, to at it's, it's uh, to at uh, Murphy underscore Lynn. And, and my Facebook is also Murphy Lynn as well. Awesome. And I will put all of those links in the show notes so people can get direct access to you and your book. And I know um, on your Instagram, you recently posted like an article that you wrote and stuff. So they can get all that as well, which is so awesome. Oh yeah. And, and I, I recently put out a website. So that is also in, in my bio as well. Awesome. It sounds like you are doing such great things. And I mean, nobody else can see you, but I can like, (laughs) I can tell how passionate you are about your book and like just educating and advocating for individuals Mm -hmm. with mental health concerns, particularly autism. Um, And so that's amazing. Everything you're doing at, and I can say this at such a young age, because I'm almost a decade older than you. (laughs) Um, which is wonderful. And you've achieved so many milestones already graduating high school. You're about to graduate mm-hmm. with your associates uh, next year and publishing a book. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I can awesome. tell you're very proud of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> awesome. awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming on. And I love connecting and thank you everybody for listening for today's episode of psych talk. I hope you gained some valuable knowledge and insights. And if you have related to anything that Murphy Lynn said, definitely purchase her book, check out her Instagram, and um, I will catch you all in the next episode. Bye. This episode of Psych Talk was brought to you in collaboration with Dive Through. Dive Through is a mental wellness company that helps you dive through what you go through. DiveThru has an introspection app, which includes guided breathing, journaling, and reflection. I have been using the DiveThru app for almost a year now, and it really helps center me when I'm feeling overwhelmed. Their website includes blog posts on a variety of topics from emotional well-being to personal growth to parenthood and the LGBTQIA community. They have a free anxiety guide created by two licensed mental health professionals, as well as other mental health podcasts. To download the app, click the link in my show notes. And for more information, visit DiveThru.com. That's D-I-V-E-T-H-R-U.com. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Psych Talk. I hope you found so much value. If you loved what you heard or gained some knowledge, I would love for you to take a screenshot, put it on your Instagram stories, and tag me at Jessica Lee PhD. Additionally, I would be honored if you leave a review and five-star rating so I can continue to help this podcast grow. If you are not already, follow me on Instagram and join my Facebook community, Grow Through What You Go Through. Thank you for joining me today, and I cannot wait for you to join me during the next episode. Remember, you are loved, you are worthy, and you are braver than you know.